Welcome to the Brentwood Church Audio Podcast. As always, you can jump on over to BrentwoodChurch.org or your favorite social outlet where you can find Brentwood Church and see what God is doing in this community. Now let's take a listen to this week's teaching. How many of you had those posters growing up of your favorite band or favorite singer? Uh, New Kids on the Block? Anybody from the 80s? Oh, come on. Somebody in their 30s. Just got free. Uh, in the 90s, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys? Yeah. Okay, there we go. We know what service this is. Um, I have a poster of Nick Carver in my room. Uh, so, there you go. There you go. Now, uh, Nick and I have grown up together. Um, I just, I'm going to try not to get emotional, but uh, man, God is doing some amazing things in and through him. And for the last 13, 14 years, we've been challenging each other, growing together, crying and laughing and experiencing something that is just truly unique uh, that we see uh, in the body of Christ. Um, God has called him and his wife uh, to Colorado to revitalize, to transform a work there uh, that's ready for a a new direction. He's going to do exactly there on a whole greater level um, what he did here, what he started here years ago. And I just can't wait uh, to celebrate that. I can't wait for us to celebrate that. I can't wait to go see him out there, a free place to stay when I go ski. Um, So there's ulterior motives already. Um, But as uh, Brett already said, when you guys uh, see him today out in the lobby or outside, you know, just walk up and say, man, we are so grateful that you gave your heart, your integrity, your leadership, and your your skills uh, to what God has done here. Um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to just go ahead and say this today, that somebody's going to get free, and it's time. It's time that you stop believing the lies that you are the girl who's just going to be promiscuous and give her body away to any man who will give you attention. I'm going to go ahead and say that the girl who got abused uh, by some people uh, who were supposed to protect her or she put her trust in today, you're going to stop believing the lies that that is your story, and that you're just going to live wounded, and you're going to live, uh, you know, just, just struggling the rest of your life. I'm going to go ahead and say that the guy who's pretty much deep in the woods of pornography and sexual promiscuity and chaos, uh, that today is the day that you're going to get free. You're here because you made all the excuses, you had all the, blo- you know, all the blockades, And you had all the the reasons why you were not supposed to be here today, why you didn't want to be here today. And I could keep going. But somehow, someway, despite yourself, God got you here in this room to hear a truth, not from a preacher, but from his word and from his Holy Spirit thriving in you that is about to change your life forever. So I'm just going to go ahead and put that right out front you're going to make a public declaration today that's going to be a stake in the ground that will change everything for you. Here's what we've been into for the last three weeks. We've been in the issue of our times, the monster of our day, Pandora's box, if you will. I asked a question three weeks ago. Why in the world would we spend three weeks talking about pornography and sexual chaos 
Doesn't that seem a bit overboard? It does if we were naive and living in our own cave, getting in here, singing pretty songs, and having sermons about things that, uh, that are nice and, and, and can get us on our way to the Golden Corral before noon. That's not who we are as a church. We know that we are living in a day and an age where pornography and sexual chaos have taken the family, have taken marriages and future marriages, where we see that what is happening in our day and age in the church with Christians. Listen, if you're not a Christian, you're here today and you can critique this whole thing. But if you're a Christian today, then you have the spirit of the living God that raised Jesus from the dead and that has signed and sealed your eternity forever and has given you abundance right now. You have that thriving in you. You have been set free to live. The work is already done. Do not believe the lies of our culture. But so many Christians are, and they walk in and out of churches, and they compartmentalize this issue. And they sing the songs, and they hear the sermons, and all that was great, and that was really practical for that area of my life. But there's this gaping wound that is bleeding the favor of God out of your life and the opportunity of God out of your life, and the wholeness and the purity and the health of your marriage and your future marriage. And we just understand that this is uncomfortable to talk about. It's a little bit embarrassing to talk about because it's church and nobody likes to talk about this, but that's not the kind of church that you're a part of. We are a church that says, bring it on. There's truth in here. There's grace in here. This is the issue of our day and our time, and we know that Jesus Christ died on a cross to set people free, and we are going to keep setting people free and watching them get free and watching them set other people free. Let's get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. We started week one with this verse, flee. I want you to say that with me. One, two, three, flee. One, two, three, flee. What does that mean? Get the heck out of there. Get the heck out of there. Flee sexual immorality. My friend Adam McDaniel and I, he had a farm, grew up on a farm in Montville, Virginia. Anybody from the metropolis of Montville, Virginia? There's about 200 people that live there. And Adam was one of them. He lived in a farm that had about 200 plus acres out on on the side of a mountain. And it was just beautiful. And I remember spending weekends there in the summertime uh, with my friend. And he had these little Honda 50s, these little, uh, little motorcycles. Uh, you just, we'd just drive them back deep into the woods and we'd build forts. And you know, we would take over Middle Earth and all that kind of stuff. It was awesome. And I remember one day we were out there and we were out in the woods and we were doing, you know, what young boys do. And, uh, you know, we had hatchets and knives and, and, and you know, motor-powered uh, motorcycles, you know, a, a great combination for, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old boys. We're out there that we're building the fort, and all of a sudden, we kind of stopped because we heard something rustling in the trees, in the woods, and we looked at each other, and as soon as we looked at each other, we heard the growl of a, of a brown bear or a black bear somewhere out in the woods near our proximity. Needless to say, those Honda 50s can do 200 miles an hour if you really push them. But we were out of there. We fled. It's like we didn't even have to talk about it. 
We just got out of there. And that is what Paul is saying to the church. Listen, when you see the signs, when you hear, when you hear the rustling, when you, when you sense the growl of sexual immorality in all of its forms, whether it's entertainment, whether it's visual, uh, whether it's talking it out at work, whatever the case Get out of there. Get out of the break room. When the guy, you know, when he, when he opens up the, the funny jokes about women, you know, degrading them and treating them like objects, just get out of there. Get out of there when the girl is like, hey, what you doing? I'm getting out of here. I'm out of here. Whatever it is, what Paul says is your best bet is just to run because sometimes your flesh is more powerful than the Holy Spirit. Yes. Flee. Sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. What does he mean by that? We talked a little bit about this in week one. Uh, what he means is there's residue in sexual sin that's different than any other sin. It gets, in, it gets into our soul and lingers differently. Adultery and abuse and promiscuity and fornication, all those things just sort of, they just kind of linger there. Um, my wife, uh, it was her turn to uh, make dinner for the Collide Student Ministry Volunteers a couple weeks ago. Could you guys give some love to those guys who, yeah, to the student ministry volunteers? Honestly, it, it, these are men and women who, 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 who leave work at 5, 5.30 in the afternoon, and they drive here to sit in a circle with four, five, and six middle school and, and, and high school students at a time and listen to them download their lives and point them towards Jesus every week. They leave here emotionally and physically exhausted every Wednesday night, and we get an opportunity to cheerlead those guys on. So would you just give them one more round of applause and say, thank you for being the front lines. They are truly the front lines because you know what? They're being bombarded with this issue on the beachhead as kids are in middle school, and, and, and they're just saying, okay, let, let's, 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 un, let's unpack this stuff. Let's point you to Jesus. Let's point you towards healing. You don't have to leave, you know, live the lies of our culture and the blame and the shame of your past. I mean, this is amazing. But we made the, uh, the evening meal for these volunteers. It was our week to do that. The parents share in that. So if you're a parent of a middle school, high school student, man, you get the privilege of serving these guys ever so often. So my, my wife uh, made her renowned fresh mex with the homemade salsa and the homemade guacamole. Mmm, fiesta forever. Yeah, Lionel Richie. Yeah, Google that. Change your life. So we, yeah, somebody, uh, all night long. You got it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later. Um, 1983, you are the sun, you are the rain. Anyway, I digress. She makes this meal, and she's in a hurry. She's last minute. She starts throwing crock pots and pans and plates and everything in the back of our Prius. And she drives, you know, on two wheels, pulls in in the nick of time. She opens up the trunk of the Prius, and the crock pot with all the black beans in it, with all that garlic and cumin and spice, 
all over. It just dumped all over the back of the trunk of our Prius. So she's, you know, in a panic, and she's like, you know, I don't have time to mess with this, so I got to get, I got to salvage the situation. So, you know, we ended up, I was there uh, at the church, you know, I was just, uh, we fixed it, we, we, we served everybody, and then I went out later on, and I just started, you know, just picking up all this sludge and glue or goo of the black bean um, aftermath. I got it all cleaned up. Couldn't even tell visually that anything had happened. What I did not know is that the black bean juice and the spice and all that had gotten down into the fibers of the upholstery. And so when we went out to the car the next morning, it smelled like Sasquatch had died (laughs) in our trunk while holding a a hobbit, a wet hobbit, like (laughs) Bilbo. You know, he's like, he, he crushed Bilbo and they died in the back. It was just terrible. You've ever smelled that? It's terrible. It's like, you know, you, you're like, whoa, what, man, wow. So, so we, uh, I, I had to do something. So I tried everything. I, carpet cleaner, uh, I mean, everything you could, you know, Lysol spray. I mean, I tried everything, and all it smelled like was like we had just sprayed Lysol on the dead Sasquatch, which is even worse. So... I finally have to call a steamer company and they come in and they have to try three different kinds of treatments to get this black bean. What used to smell amazing to me, you know, now is just this, ah, oh, this putrid funk in, in the trunk of my car. And here's the thing. What had happened is even though visually you could not see it, you could, you could smell the residue of that bacteria and that rotting that had taken place. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, when you fill your mind with these erotic images, these twisted images, and you act upon them, when you go outside of your marriage or your future marriage, there's something that happens in your emotion and your spirit that leaves a residue Because you see, a marriage and a future marriage is built on trust. And if you betray that trust before you even get to it, you are are placing a landmine in that marriage that will blow up. And what Paul says is, listen, you got to know this is going to mess with you for a long time. That's why he says, get the heck out of there. Flee from it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. So he, he, he's pretty, pretty adamant with the church about, you know, when you see this and when you experience this, run from it because it has a residue. But here's what I love about Paul and here's what I love about the gospel. The gospel is not about saying you are condemned. It's about saying, look, that's already the state. Jesus did not come to condemn you. That's a, that's a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. In fact, Jesus even said that. He says, I didn't come to the world to condemn the world. I came to, to rescue the world. You already are condemned by your own sin. You're already going to face the, the judgment and the consequence of sin. And so what Paul says is, look, yeah, we know that. 
And we know that sometimes we don't flee. And sometimes we indulge and we let our, we let our cravings and we let our impulses run the show instead of the Holy Spirit, instead of the wisdom and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He says, okay, look, you know that. And you know that that has consequences. But the good news is this. The good news is the gospel. That Christ has done a work in you on the cross and through his resurrection. It it is already won. Your freedom has already been paid for. It has already been embraced by you. And what he gets into in Ephesians chapter 4 is live that freedom out. Live it out. And so that's what he says. He says, look, I'm going to describe to you what happens when you don't live in your freedom and when you don't live in the rescue of Christ. But then I'm going to show you how you embrace it all over again. Man, I want to be that church. I want to be that church that just says, look, look, you tripped, you fell, you blew it up. And you know what? You're going to have to deal with the consequences. You blew that thing up. And, and you know what? It's going to hurt and people got hurt by it. But you know what? That is not, how you, that is not where you have to stay. You can be free. And that's where some of you are. Some of you have already, man, you've already done some things in your life. And you've begun to li- 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 lift the lies and believe the lies of the enemy. But today, you push that away and you embrace freedom all over again. Verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. What does he say? He says, come on, church. Come on. Don't live like the Gentiles. And he's not just talking about non-Jewish people here. He's using a generic term for people who are far from God, who are deep in the woods, who don't even go after the one true God. He says, church, He's not talking to non-Christians. He's talking to the church. And that's what I have to say here. I know there are some of you who don't follow Jesus. And you're, you're curious, maybe cynical here today. And that's okay. This is a good place for you to be, to question, and to be skeptical. And so really and truly, you're off the hook on this. You're not accountable to this. Because you haven't yet embrace Jesus Christ and put yourself under the direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit. I hope, though, that today you will. Today, though, if you have accepted the love and the forgiveness and the redemption of Jesus Christ, then this truth is for you. You don't, and you should not, and you cannot live in your old life anymore. You will be miserable In fact, he begins to describe what your life will be. Hopelessly confused. What does that word mean? Emptiness of the mind. Your mind becomes mush. And he's talking about just giving yourself over to your own twisted sexual chaos. You have a craving. Well, then I ought to to meet that craving. I have an impulse. And I ought to meet that impulse. And so we start living in the flesh instead of living in the spirit. The spirit always pointing us to Jesus. The flesh always pointing us to our cravings. You know, living by the flesh. We've got Jesus. We believe in him. We raise our hands. And yet, we still act out of our emotions. We still act out of our impulses. And we still let them direct a relationship. Well, you made me mad. 
Well, fine then. I'm going to pout for two years. And Paul's like, you got the Holy Spirit. What are you thinking? Holy Spirit's going to lead you to forgiveness, to freedom. Yeah, uh uh-huh, but I don't want to listen to that right now. Maybe that's where you are. You know, you're, you, go, you walk into work and you got this, you know, got this Alaska-sized chip on your shoulder. Just, you know, mad at the world. You got your Bible in your hand and you went to church. But the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you. He's not pointing you to Christ. You, you just shut that off. You, 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 you listen to your impulses. You listen to your, your, your irritations. You, you listen to your flesh. What Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You're you're better than that. Christ has done his work in you. He says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from life, from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Man, can that happen? Yeah, it can happen. That once open mind and an open and softened heart from the gospel has become closed and hardened again. Man, maybe that's where you are right now. You don't even want to hear this. We've had people leave the church when we talk about pornography because they, 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 don't, they, don't they don't want us talking about that. They don't want us talking about that issue. Their minds are closed. Their hearts are hardened. I don't want anybody talking about that. That's my deal. It's a harmless thing. You don't understand my situation. What Paul is saying is like, wow, no. No, God, God wants to, he wants to open your mind. He wants to, he wants to soften your heart and, and let his spirit in. And I hope that today, if your heart is hardened and your mind is calloused and you got it all figured out and you've got it all walled up and you're already pushing back and making your excuses and making your exceptions to all this, I hope that there's a little crack in your mind that can let some light back in to let the Holy Spirit rush in and point you to Christ and point you to the gospel all over again. They have no sense of shame. You ever meet those people? I don't care. Yeah, man, you just ran over my cat. I don't care. There's got eight more. Eight more lives. I don't care. Somebody who, you know, just goes off on you, you know, says, gives you a piece of their mind. Man, that really hurt. I don't care. You know, these you know, people, maybe that's where you were at one point. You're just so mad at the world. You're just angry. You got your heart, got just, your heart just got so hardened. And people come to you and they say, hey, man, you know, there's this, there's this challenge in your life. And, you know, you just didn't care. Hey, man, here's the solution. Let me make it clear to you. Let me, let me, I mean, I'm not here to judge you. I love you. I'm for you no matter what. But man, you know, here's, here's a solution to help you kind of move forward. I don't care. That's what Paul describes a person who's completely given themselves over to lust and sexual pleasure. They don't care. They don't care that they are stealing away the future marriage 
and the gift of that person who will take that later on in life. I want what I want. I want it right now, and I don't care who I hurt or who I wound. We call this sexual selfishness. Write that down, sexual selfishness. That's when our minds have become closed. They're empty, hopeless confusion. We're deep in the woods. Our hearts have been calloused, and we have no sense of shame. I don't care. Man, if that is you today, here's what I want to say. You are here because God wants you to hear this word. I have no doubt about it. He loves you that much. Isn't that something? You know, when my kids take on this attitude, I don't care. And you know it. You, you know when they're just, they're, they're just pushing you away as a parent. Part of you just wants to say, well, fine then. Go live in the woods with Sasquatch and Bilbo. You know? I don't have to put up with this. I need that room for a you know, a couch and a TV. That's not who God is. That's not our Heavenly Father. Even when our hearts are callous and our minds are closed, He's like, no, come on, you're better than that. I put my spirit in you. Gave my son for you. You can be free. You can be cleansed. You don't have to live the lies and believe the lies of your past. You're not the girl who was abused. That happened to you. But, but you know what? You can heal from that, and I can redeem that. You're not the guy who used all those girls, who filled your mind with all that stuff. You can be free, and you can win. You can be triumphant. They live for pleasure, lustful pleasure, and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. There he goes. He brings it home. He's starting to make the turn. You see? You know, after he's like, you know, you've had that speech with a friend before. It's like, man, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this, man? And then you get through that, I don't care, I don't care. Okay, 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 what? What should I do? Finally let a little bit of light in. Open their hearts just a little bit to hear some truth. A little bit of trust they have in you. A little bit of trust they have in God again. And maybe that's waking up for you right now. You're beginning to see God again. You're beginning to see the fact that you're here today as a sign of his love for you. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, He says, verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature. Don't put that back on. I have two boys in my house. And they will wear a shirt three days in a row with all kinds of stank and sweat. I I mean, I don't don't know how they do it. And and they'll they'll, they'll just throw it in the dirty clothes and I'll catch them smelling it. You know what I'm saying? Girls, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, you've seen guys do this. They, they smell, that didn't smell too bad. I'm gonna put wear it again. 
Okay, maybe I just let the, the secret out, okay? <laughs> you know, I have to go in, you know, I just like, pop, no, don't do that. Don't wear that. What's wrong? Go live in the woods. <laughs> A kid. But seriously, you have to say, hey, man, look, bro, you got you to gotta throw that in dirty clothes and let, let it get washed. Don't be putting that on again. I know, but I don't want to create more laundry for, for mom. You're lying. You're lazy. Okay? And you stink. That's what Paul is saying. Just throw that. Throw that off. Your old sinful nature. Don't put that back on. Jesus died to clean you up. Think about it like this rock. You know, if you, if you threw this, somebody just flinched. If you threw this rock into a deep lake or a ravine, the, the likelihood of you finding it are next to none. You'd be searching for a long time. And so that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. He's like, don't put that back on. Don't put that back on. You're free. You're free. Instead, let the Spirit, there it is again, the guide, the guide, the counselor, instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let him come in and clean house and clean you up again. Let him renew that. And then he says, put on your new nature, created to be like God. You ever think about that? You have the nature to love, to live, to be empowered, to be like God. Like to love people who hate you, to forgive people who aren't even seeking it, to care for people who can't do a thing for you. To be free. To be empowered. You have that. Like what would happen if the church lived that way? What if we, what if we, we just embraced that inheritance and that legacy and that destiny that is in us? And we shut the lid on Pandora's box that the enemy has opened up and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all that power and all that goodness and all that self-control and all that peace and all that joy and all that patience and all of that Christ in them. And I'm going to twist it up and I'm going to spin them around and I'm going to whisper lies into them and I'm going to get them so distracted They'll come to church, sing some songs, hear a message every three or four weeks, and go right back to their old life and mask it, hide it, point their finger at other people. Man, the enemy is just wringing his hands. Keep those men 
fearful and prideful, sitting in those seats, leading no one. Leading no one. Keep those women believing all the blame and the shame and comparing and competing against other girls. That's how, man, that's a, the best trick the enemy can play on the church. Keep us complaining about the wrong things, mad at the wrong things, in love and worshiping the wrong things. And the whole while he just sits back and says, here we go. And Paul just says, man, no, don't let your heart get hard. Don't let your mind get closed. Don't, don't get to a point where you have no conscience anymore. Throw that off. Throw that off and, and invite the spirit in to renew you and put on your new life that is meant to be like God to have his heart. I want to get practical for a second. What would happen if we just did these four things every day when the impulses and the temptations of our old life came up? Namely, sexual impurity and those deceptions that Paul's talking about. What if we stop, throw, invite, and put on? Stop, throw, invite, and put on. Let, let, let me explain it. Stop. When you hear the bear in the woods, whatever that is for you, the urge, the excitement, the lure, you stop. And you throw. Literally. Literally. Find something. A cat. Okay? Look, he's never going to love you anyway. You know it. Like, you play this game with him. Hey, I'll feed you. Whatever. Throw him. And let him, or a ball of paper, okay, whatever, represent your old life. Just throw it. Like, can you imagine that? If, like, a few hundred people all over this city, like, people just saw them in their, in their cubicles, in, in the boardroom, at the job site, you know, in their yards. Whenever they have an impulse or a temptation, they pick up a rock or pick up a ball, of, and they just throw it. Like, what's going on? Is this the Matrix? But, but what if we just got that radical with this issue? And we just took this, this, this promise that, that we see in Scripture, and we just go, you know what? I'm just going to throw this off. I'm going to throw off my old life. I do not have to believe those lives, and I do not have to live in that prison anymore. And then we invite in that moment, in that physical moment, that now becomes a spiritual moment, we invite the Holy Spirit in. Holy Spirit, press on me right now. Holy Spirit, guide me right now. Holy Spirit, encourage me right now. Holy Spirit, point me to Jesus all over again. And we see Jesus on a cross. We see Jesus resurrected. We see Jesus telling us all over again. I died for you. The work is already done. You can never be good enough, smart enough. You can never be rich enough. You can never be religious enough. 
to earn it. It is just yours and you've embraced it. Now, don't let the old cover up the new. And then you put on. You put on the heart of God all over again. You put on the mind of God all over again. And I think some of you need to do that today. I think you just need to stake a claim today. I think you just need to go public today. On your way out, you know what? We're going to give everybody one of these rocks. And you know what? Sometime today or tomorrow, whatever, ball this up and and just have a moment with, with God, with your heavenly Father. And say, right now, I put all of those lies and I put all of that shame and all of that blame and all of that abuse and all of that adultery and all that promiscuity and all of that porn and all of that abortion and all of that whatever. And then you throw it as far as you can throw it. And then you invite the Holy Spirit to come in and encourage you, point you to Jesus. And you walk out of that moment And you put on the heart and the mind of God all over again. But I think some of you just need to do it right now. And I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to stop listening to pride and fear. What will people think? And just say, you know what? 80% of the people in this room will probably take the rock at the door and go do it. But not me today. I need to come down here and I need to do it right now. And we have these little rocks down here. And here, here's, here's the culture in our church. You come down, nobody prays alone. If a woman comes down here to pray, ladies, you come down. You don't even have to know her name or her story. You won't even hear her story because the music will be so loud. You know, you just, you just put your hands on her shoulder and say, I am part of the redemption movement of Jesus Christ. And I am one in baptism and one in spirit and one in the gospel with you and right now my hands represent the body of Christ coming around you in this moment. If a man comes down here, men, don't even, when, when the Holy Spirit says go, you just go and you, you, as he holds that rock in his hand, he puts all of that blame and all that shame as a representation and he He proclaims the gospel all over again in his life. You be there for him. And you pray with him as he gets free. And he wins now, and he begins to win for the rest of his life. That's who we are. That's who we are as a church. I talked to a young man last week. And asked the band to come as I tell this story. I talked to a man uh, last week, and he... uh, he came up to me after the, one of the services and, and I could tell he was just very, he was almost kind of shaken and he, he was, he, he was teary-eyed. I could tell he, he was kind of fighting it. And he just said, he said, um, he goes, I don't know if I can ever win this. He said, I, I'm, I want to be a pastor someday. I said, I know God has this, this calling on my life. He just said, I, I look at porn all the time and I use girls. I'll date girls and I'm, I'm promiscuous with them. I, he goes, I, 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 I feel guilty about it. I feel terrible about it. I, I know that I shouldn't do it, but I, he goes, this thing just, 
just, and I know, I know there's a place that God wants to take me, and I know that I'm disqualifying myself at some point for, for a season of my life. He says, I, I don't know what to do, though. And he said, you know what, man? I said, you're believing a lie. And the lie tells you that that's just who you are. And that's just what you're going to do. But the truth is, Christ died for you, man. You know that. You just need to embrace that. And you need to believe in the freedom that Christ has already paid for. Embrace it. And I think that's where some of you are today. You've just been believing lies. I'm just going to be a person given over to my impulses and my instincts and my wounds and my past and my baggage. Yeah, I know I'm going to die and go to heaven someday, but I'm just going to live in this hell while, while I'm here. It's a lie. That is a lie. This, this, is, this, is, your, this is your place to change and transform through the gospel in you, through Jesus in you. If you'll just let him, if you'll just open a little bit of your mind and your heart again, like you did once, like you believed once, like you thrived once. Let him rush in, renew you, wipe away all those lies, all that shame. Walk out of here triumphant. That's how you're supposed to live this life. Yeah, you're going to die and go to heaven someday. Jesus paid for that. But you can thrive in the kingdom of God right now. It is at hand. It is here. It is abundant. Throw off that old crap that keeps finding its way back. And do it not through your strength through that of Jesus Christ and his spirit in you. Do that today.